Welcome back, people, to the Tiki Bar. What Tiki Bar? Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar, that is. Hope you brought your beverages with you. If not, we have a lovely assortment of drinks for you to try tonight as well. With me, as always, is Orlando. I, myself, am Drew. How's it going, everybody? Tonight, with the things as they are going, with current events and things, it's hard to ignore and I feel like we need to give some sort of credence to it, at least as far as the underlying narratives are concerned, or at least the parameters with which they're being addressed. And I kind of want to talk about free speech in regards to the digital landscape as a whole. How we as people interact with each other while exercising our free speech rights given to us by the Constitution of the United States. And honestly, if you want to extend out to the rest of the world, you definitely could on that one. But again, your mileage may vary depending on the free speech rights of the countries that you are a part of. Free speech as a whole has always been a contentious thing and something that we have striven to uphold and fight for as much as humanly possible across the across the history of the U.S. And as a whole as new avenues become available, the concept of free speech alters, shifts, and has to be readdressed as those things come up. Probably did so with radio. It probably did so with TV when that happened and such. And now that we're anymore, and now that we've been in a digital landscape since the mid nineties, at least for the, at least for the majority of the, uh, the population, it stands to reason that there needs to be a refocus on what that actually entails going forward for the internet, social media, message boards, and all the like. And honestly, it's kind of a weird nebulous gray area. And I specifically have just been at a loss, especially with everything that's been going on for the past five or ten years. How about you, Orlando? What's your thought on it? Okay. I think we were discussing this the other day, just how critical free speech is, at, at least when it comes to our, at least when it comes to our general lives. I will contest. I mean, contest, I will agree with you on the some part that this is a uh, this is a more gray area to speak with, but. At the same time, this is getting the line is being pushed more and more. Just how how far we can, or how far should we go with this sort of thing? Now, what do you mean by that? So, over the past couple, no, over the past fifteen twenty years, we have seen and push towards censorship when it comes to well specific topics needless to say and we're seeing it not just for free speech but we're seeing it from different aspects of media as well and now it's starting it well, I shouldn't say it started um it's heating up even more now that we've had the the dilemma that happened in Capitol Hill on Tuesday that is an that is an interesting thing to bring up. It is something that we can't, like I said, we can't really ignore with what had occurred. And I want to say on the front side, I think I speak for both of us when we say it was not right what had happened. Absolutely, the people, the people who had died because of it, no matter how how that occurred, it's not any loss of human life in in any kind of folly like that. Should is sad and abhorrent. But underlying be- the underlying belief, at least from what I've read and have seen, was there was a belief that these people were part of a larger group of people who believed that they were unheard, and they felt that their only way to do so was to uh, was to attack an institution that had, phys- you- that had a physical that had a physical manifestation to what they believed was preventing them from exercising their rights. How true that is. I don't know. 
I'd say there is more truth than we would like to admit, but the one thing that does stand that seems re- seems consistent, it seems that every, every each group that has uh, raised issues, they're all basically raising the same issue, that is, the government is corrupt and it is being unjust. They're just using different examples to bring forth their argument. They're being ignored, and therefore they feel the best way to go about it is to to use more extreme ends. Now, whether we can regard that as justified or not, I feel at this point is not necessarily up for debate. But rather, I feel personally, in my personal opinion, that... People are being played hard on all sides by the same people they're criticizing. I'm I can't confirm or deny that specifically, but if you look at the look at the evidence, I, there there definitely is machinations in the background. That even if you uh, you don't really have to be a tinfoiler to really make those cor- make those correlations. The the extent of it is really one of those things that's hard to really gauge and i w- and as somebody who's a much more common sense and practical than this sort of things i'm very much an occam's razor kind of person the simplest answers are often the correct ones and rather than going into some weird conspiratorial rabbit hole that you're never really going to climb out of it's much easier to just say that situ- the situation that happened was a was a continuous it was a continuous thing that was erupting from both sides. Basically, basically there were, there were higher authorities that had watched this all play out and likely they may have used this as a, as a, as political leverage to get what they wanted. I can't confirm or deny that, but it would be difficult for somebody to say that it wasn't being used in that context, especially with the rapid movement after the, after the Capitol Hill siege, um, on the other side, as far as censorship is concerned, of alt tech platforms and differing and different peoples who had heavier conservative leanings, so I, it's hard for me to disagree. But it's a question of whether you will want to go out of your way to believe that this was something that was a higher machination, or if it was just dumb lu- dumb luck that everything fell into place. And just basically, an, basically a golden opportunity let just fall into the laps of those who wanted to crack down on their opposition. It's, it depends on how you want to look at it. I again, we as we we at the Tiki Bar do not push a specific political ideology on other people. All we want to do is just set a discourse for things and allow people to make their own make their own uh, come to their own conclusions. This isn't exactly an easy, one-sided um, analysis of what goes on in our country's politics. That is extremely complicated, and if you drew up a different conclusion based on the evidence and the information that you've gathered, you're more than welcome to it. I won't argue against it, just as we ask that, at the very least, you listen to our contributions for whatever that may, may turn out to be. And just see for yourself. Nothing more, nothing less. We'll hear, we'll listen. And if you're here to listen as well, don't go crazy about it. Emotions are high as it is because of the COVID lockdowns and a lot of people having financial issues. So I, I, there, I have a bit oh, of em- yeah. I have a bit of empathy across the board when it comes to that kind of stuff. But there's only so much that should be tolerated as far as you know, screaming and shouting and banging all over the place, because at the end of the day, you're not going to convince somebody of a position if all you're doing is screaming at them because they're just going to lock down anyway. Fair enough. We're all human. I get it. At the end, and you just, you need to roll with things in a lot of cases. Stay calm. At the very least, I can tell you that, I mean, we're not going anywhere anytime soon as a, as a, as a population. Armageddon is not at not at our door. I don't want to be one of those black pilled individuals like burn it all down. Everything's bad. It just doesn't seem like the kind. It's not conducive to forward motion in any meaningful capacity. 
to those who have a more nihilistic viewpoint, I understand where you're coming from. I, I've, dip, I've dipped my toe into that well plenty of times in my life. And I've come out of the other end being more of a realist than a nihilist because real, realism tends to be a little bit more stable than nihilism. Nihilism kind of peters out on itself when you realize at the end of the day that you're, you're, just, try, you're just functioning. If all you're doing is functioning at the end at, at, at the end of all things, then why are you even why are you even conscious at this point? I'm proud of you, man. <laughs> Appreciate it, sir. Doesn't mean I don't have my nihilistic moments, but I think we all do at some point yeah. where we just all go, "Well, what's it all worth then? Why are we even here? This is so stupid." Well, yeah, that you just have to come to the rationalization that you're just filling out you're 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 one big tape recorder, and all you're doing is recording till you hit the end. And you're just going to have to enjoy everything that you've recorded thus far. And hopefully you get to fill that tape up or maybe both sides if you're lucky. <laughs> Sorry. It's I'm not trying to laugh at you. It's just that it's actually really, really good to hear from you. Given the, given the persona that you've developed as I've come to know you over the years, it's really, really nice to see or really nice to hear um, the, how much you've changed that you've turned around. It's, it's a really comforting thought. Uh, much respects to you on that. Good, sir. I appreciate it. Doesn't take away from my acerbic wit overall, but I, but that more has to do with just life experiences in general. You just use that as your muse when you go forward. Agreed. Agreed. So as far as, as far as, so well, let's, let's start from the basics. Free speech in the public forums, because you have to start in that, in that context. The traditional, the, yes. the traditional public forums, radio, television, and in real life. Those. Things, well, you should say more traditional. Right, you should say right. more traditional because I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would not consider radio to be traditional. Just more traditional. Well, it's it, it's under the per it's under the aegis of the town square in quotes. Everything, yeah. every place that you can talk to somebody or a larger group of people would fall into the category of public of the public domain. And I therefore be a considered a town square scenario. I think that the, the discourse as a whole in, in without, if you cut out all of the stuff that has happened for the past five years, it's still the same because I can still go and have conversations with people about differing political things and you know their personal beliefs on things and i don't ever feel like it ever comes to blows so as far as that those are still sacred at least to to the extent in which i've interacted with them may others may feel differently but moreover there's always been the the, the social contract that's been in place for as long as you know so there's been a society and has evolved thusly has always had this underlying sense that, you know, politeness in, in conversation should be something that just happens anyways. A lot of people like to throw around the concepts like, I can say whatever I want. I'm like, sure you can. But at the end of the day, if you say terrible things to somebody or you say something that hits home to them and they respond to you with some form and respond negatively to you, be it a negative word or some kind of, you know, physical interaction, I don't know at that point if I'd be comfortable saying that it's their fault for getting angry at you for saying that. Yes, humans have emotions and people should control their emotions. But if you are intentionally goading them into some sort of response and you're going to fall back on the, oh, I have free speech and I shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't respond to me in that way. I would cut, I would contest that you were, that you were very well aware. There was malice of forethought before you started on it. And you were operating in bad faith in knowing that you were going to get attacked afterward. Your statement has merit, but the thing is that when it comes to free speech, say, you have the – there is a, an amount that a person can retaliate with before you go, how far is too much of a retaliation? You, you're, I agree with you that every per, the being – being able to speak your mind should not mean that you can't be free, that you, you are free from consequences. No, you should, you should be able to 
you know, people should be able to retaliate to the speech that you utter. I agree with that entirely. But just how much I would contest, there is a limit. And I feel, or at least I believe, there may go using physical retaliation or straight up censorship, in my opinion, is going a bit above and beyond for something that any person could say at any point in time. I agree. And, and moreover, the concept of measured response to anything is always something that's it, it's, it, it's nebulous as well, because depending on what you say to somebody, you can't be aware of how they respond. Even if you do something innocuous exactly. or say something that's a compliment, or at least you interpret as a compliment, and they don't take it in that way, there's no way you can tell how they were how they would respond to it. You're basically relying on the social contract for them to not go and just haul off and punch you, depending on how that goes. You're assuming it's going to play out that way, but anybody with even a modicum of understanding of, of the randomness of human nature and just emotions in general, you can't do that. You, you can be as benign as you want as far as um, – as far as your, your, your wording and the vernacular you use and your tone, and somebody could hear something completely different from you. But the problem is, is that we live with a vague guideline as to how we are to express our opinion or express, uh, or express, our, uh, or express ourselves, essentially. We, don't, we, we only have a very vague guideline because we are constantly changing over the years just how far we can go with what it is you know, with what we can say. It has never been a strict guideline of what we need to say. Now you can argue that that is kind of pointless, but the reason why there is an issue with it is because people often use that vague guideline to push towards censorship more and more rather than a loose translation of it if you know what i'm saying of course absolutely i, I and and more and i think there's something to be said for the, the that type of censorship as a whole because you do have a situation where every opportunity that somebody does something that would be considered an extreme as far as free speech is concerned, there is always this institutional pushback against it. But in, in any free society, those people are required. Just like a person, who, just like you have the white hat hackers who work for companies that creates that stress test systems and create viruses to put up against their own system to try and make sure that they can fortify it. You have people who are within the free speech paradigm, who are extreme pushers of free speech. They say things that are bombastic. They say things that will cause people to be uncomfortable and make them think outside of their bubble. And those people are necessary. There are necessary feeders for that. Would you say comedy is used as an example of that push for of, uh, free speech? Well, as we've talked about it before on the podcast, yes, absolutely. It's necessary. And even we've, we've gone so far as to say it's like these people are the ones who crack open the personal bubbles that a lot of human beings live in. And they scream at them and go, there's a reality out here that you're not a part of the horrible, monstrous reality that you can refuse to watch. And you think that you're bettering yourself by avoiding it, but you're not. And those people are necessary for as much as you have people who are bricklayers when it comes to you know, what you shouldn't say, you have people who are wrecking balls who knock it over and say, I can say what needs to be said. Sometimes those people may not say things that need to be said. Sometimes they just say what they want to say in, in, in salute of free speech as a whole. My problem ends up being is that when you step from the public square of TV, radio, and the public eye, and you step into the digital realm it becomes much, much more nebulous. And you start having these problems where you'll have pockets that pop up that never see any light of day. And 
you create this situation where you have these little echo chambers that form for differing opinions. And all it takes is one random person who ended up on that website, sees all this and goes, um, I think something bad's happening here. Can someone shed some light on this? And then, then, and then all of a sudden you, you have the disinfectant of sunlight coming down on it and a bunch of people interpreting what's being said is either some form of radicalism or some form of hate speech. And then the whole thing unravels, even if it has not, even if those individuals are being completely disingenuous with what they're saying, like there's absolutely no intent with what they're saying. It doesn't matter because of the reactionary response from the companies that support that, that host these sites and the people who are in the, who are in the, the digital public domain we're watching it all play out. They have they're high. They're much more reactionary than the groups that have already been cultivated, and that's when you end up having situations where, where people don't feel like they can speak in the public in the newer aged public forum. No, I was going to ask uh, since you brought up since you brought up companies. What are your thoughts on companies that use their use their uh, their clientele's information? and sell them to other companies. Um, I feel it is completely and utterly monstrous that they do so. I feel they are taking advantage of the ignorance of a population who isn't sitting there with a pair of uh, magnifying glasses and reading over a terms of service that's literally 17 pages long and not paying attention to the nonsense that's going in, that's happening. I think it's been despicable since the, since the start. It's been happening since since smartphones have been a thing. I would I would guess that it's been happening since the internet was a thing. If you really want me to be technical about it, but I couldn't prove or deny that kind of stuff. Yeah. I can prove what's going on In- now with smartphones and social media and things because there are several high pro- high priority cases that are going on as far as Facebook's concerned, as far as several other platforms are concerned that have been selling data. So I'm going to say it's absolutely abhorrent. Now, saying all that, I'm going to say that it's a foregone conclusion. You're on the Internet without several layers of encryption, a VPN, and a bunch of other ways to mask your identity. You absolutely are at the mercy of the platforms that you are using for your public interactions on the Internet. Okay. So you believe that the the social media websites have as much power as any over the their users of their of their sites as much as any private company does? Oh, absolutely, and I find it absolutely fucking ridiculous. So, do you believe that these folks should these companies should be sued for things such as play, uh, plagiarism or uh, or or defamation, or in or in their case, if it's all written, libel? If and when it pops up and those individual cases occur, absolutely. Well, that's well, that's the whole point because the only way that can be a possible, the only reason why, excuse me, the only way free speech is essentially restricted within sites like social medias um, would be if those companies themselves are liable for damages for things that are being that have been said by their users. The Problem is that there are so many users of these sites, and let's face it, that's just that's just the way things are. It's, it's such a huge. They don't control the entire world, but they have a good portion of the world as users for their sites. So, the question is. Is it enough to say that it is essentially a public square or is this something that they still have to hold on as private companies? Because the one of the things that these social media sites are free of right now is they're free from libel suits. They're free from defamation suits because they don't have to monitor. They don't have to monitor without fear of getting a lawsuit filed against them. They don't have to monitor any of their users. However, they still do so just when it's, you know, to their convenience or to their advantage or to their liking. That's how we have uh, Twitter, for example, um, completely uh, completely shutting down the president's uh, Twitter account along with Facebook and 
I believe several other social media sites have decided to completely block him entirely. If you look at the way things were going for him back to 2015, 2014, I'd even gander, this was a foregone conclusion. The problem at the the problem at the at, for for them as a company is that they didn't have the leverage necessary to pry him to pry him off like a barnacle off the side of the the hull of their ship. Not saying not saying this Here's is a good point. or a bad thing. Again, the president of the United States should have should be able to reach out to the people who who are who are the the American people, the people who he served, and blocking him blocking him yes. on not on not just his personal Twitter, but the the, the, the president of the United States Twitter is, in my opinion, ridiculous. The, 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 the thought process that he was inciting, inciting uh, violent rhetoric and pushing people to uh, violently uprise. Again, I can't confirm or deny that. And everything that I've seen as far as evidence of this is so fucking nebulous. You could say it goes either way. But when you bring it down to a company who is being reached out to by multiple people. And when I say multiple, I'm talking multitudes of millions of people saying he is actively going and trying to destabilize our democracy. By the way, for the people who keep calling this a fucking democracy, you're, it's not a democracy. Pardon my French, but I'm going to say this. We're a constitutional republic. We have been a constitutional republic. It says it in the Pleasure of Allegiance. If it's something you keep forgetting because it's funny to you, it's not. Democracy is a is an, no the, the democracy is, is the institution we use to make our constitutional republic work on the inside. So please, di- please figure the out the problem, difference before you fucking belch out more shit about demo- us being a democracy. The okay, Drew, I get that point, but the problem is, is that we have to blame ourselves as a whole for doing that shit as well. Because throughout our event, throughout our ventures over history. We have been spreading democracy throughout the entire planet through our imperialist days. This is not this isn't something that the world public has a we gave them the impression that that was the type of government we ran when in fact it is a constitutional republic. Heck, many of our presidents throughout history have called our country a democracy. One particular example was Woodrow Wilson during the Great War, talking about how he wanted to spread democracy throughout the world. We gave the world public the impression that was our type of government. We put it upon ourselves that that was the case. So if people are getting mistaken that we have that we are a democracy when in fact we're a constitutional republic, it's kind of our fault for the reputation that we've put ourselves in. I, I can't argue with that logic, and especially because you have the historical precedents behind it. So, I, I concede to you that's definitely true. But I just wanted to make that I wanted to plant that flag right here and now because it's something that I constantly keep hearing in modern discourse from politicians, from politicians and, and the public, fun. and it's just like, no, it says it right directly. It, it, it says it on fucking Wikipedia what we are. I don't know what the fuck you people want because one for one thing, at least for Wikipedia. Remember how I don't know if you've been through through college at the time, at least when I was in high school, Wikipedia was often banged through our heads by our teachers was it's not a reliable resource because it is a, it is one that can be edited by everyone. So every time we had to do a report or whatever, we couldn't use Wikipedia as a source. Now, granted, Wikipedia is generally accurate. And it is something that you can use at the very least a foundation for upon which you can uh, look for other sources to back up whatever reports, claims, theses you had when writing. But most most often, we're told that Wikipedia couldn't be used as an actual source. So, yeah, that's not maybe the best site that we can recommend to use. But I will agree with you that people should know more, should know better that. We're constitutional, uh, constitutional republic. We've always been. We've been that way since 1788, 89, with the uh, foundation of, uh, of the Constitution. I think at the end of the day, we have 
the, the misunderstanding as a whole is something that just it, it's it it always gets addressed by people, but it's never really pressed upon. And and as I said, my objective at the end of the day was just to put it out there so people were aware of it. Because yes, we do use democracy or or mechanics of democracy in the way that we operate several aspects of our government, but our overall paradigm is not one of democracy. So. I think I think people just need to be aware of that as a whole, especially because a lot of them use that as a as a fallback for how things should be functioning, and it's just and it's something that needs to be nipped in the bud so people can be aware that no, in a tradition in a true democracy, the stuff that we are doing would not happen. We are not a true democracy, and we honestly can't be. In all true, in all honesty, we can't be in a population of three hundred million people, to well, three hundred million plus with varying state sizes and everything. This is why I can never go, uh, I can never fully agree with the idea of the removal of the electoral college. Many people believe that will solve the problem when it comes to presidential elections. But the problem with the idea of the removal of the electoral college is that it removes the idea that the presidents need, the presidential candidates anyway, have to go to every state and try to barter or try to win the votes of the people. When you have so when you have several states that are so massive in size that they easily out they easily um, outpopulate uh, many of the smallest states put together, you have essentially an arms race to try and win the largest states. And when you only care about the issues of the largest states, the smallest states become completely ignored. Well, you, that's what game gave rise to the term flyover states. The major headache that ends up happening with the concept of having a super state within the union is it becomes almost untenable to govern. Just look at what's happening with California. I don't envy Gavin Newsom for having to do what he needed to do, but I don't think that he had taken anywhere near the steps he should have in, in dealing with a lot of the stuff that was happening. And I'm not even talking about what's going on with COVID. I'm talking about with hit with governance of his, of his uh, state as a whole, that it's, you have a super majority yeah, in one specific uh, political leaning running over a, a, a shit ton of landmass with people who don't have that not everybody who has that specific political leaning. I'm sorry. I, I don't see th- that any, I don't see that all of your constituency is getting what at least 30% of what they wanted to happen. Not to mention with the different budget deficits that that, that state has had for eons, something that has even been a problem since when Arnold Schwarzenegger was the fucking governor of that place. It's it, it, you, you have issues when it comes to having these larger super states, and it's not even really something that I ha- I don't ha- I don't have a problem with a, a state being large. I don't care when it comes to just sheer landmass. My concern is is if you look at it from a uh, a caregiver standpoint, people who are babysitters or who are uh, who do daycares, there's a capacity for the amount of kids that they can take care of within their ages without having extra people working for them. In the in regards to governance. And I, yes, I am making the parallels that people that that your that your average citizen is in contrast a, to a small child, but that's more in numbers, not in the fact that they're, you know, insane or you know, destroying everything. Because I don't think that really makes sense. But it's more of a you can't keep that many plates spinning up in the air. And even if you have people who work under you and a, and a structure that works under you that can make the who can try and um, mitigate that amount. You can't feasibly make that work. Not for it, very well, long. Clearly, anyway. if you look at a lot of the stories that are going on, again, all of it's alleged, but I've seen the I've seen videos of it. The bigger cities in California, they have rampant fucking sickness and and poverty happening over there. And I know a lot of it's because there is a great deal of people moving their way into California who were already destitute because California is a relatively Temp- a relatively calm place to live as far as temperature is concerned, so it's easy enough to have gigantic tent cities. Yep. But mm-hmm. at the same time, when you have poverty of that magnitude, 
you have a bunch of different factors that start coming into how things operate and start hindering things that operate. And when you have to institute people who go up and clean, clean up human feces off the side of the road, like, like a fucking, like a dog, a dog caretaker. I think at that point you start losing the plot. Oh dear God. This is you're talking about as if though it's like pre pre sanitation movement. Oh my God! I can only imagine the horror. Jesus Christ! I was listening to a podcast where someone was talking about they went into a Seven Eleven years ago. They were buying something. From, they were buying a uh, buying buying a food item. They were standing in line, and a homeless man just walks in, wearing tattered rags and pants, shakes his pants out, and just leaves a turd on the fucking floor and walks back out. Jesus! Thank God I don't live there anymore. Jesus Christ. You couldn't pay me to live in California anyways because of the because of the, the rampant poverty and the, the huge, huge price of living over there. There is always a premium to living in a place yeah. that's popular. California, New York, any of those bigger cities, that that's the problem. That's why nobody who's unless you're wealthy or you're living in a particular area of a city lives in the city. They live in the suburbs or they live closer to rural areas. You you have to live where you can afford. And in a lot of cases, the people who live yeah. in, in those cities, there are areas that are low rent and that's what happens. But it is what it is. Kind of got off tangent, but that's okay because we were talking about other things. It's hard. That's fine. I mean, it could be worse, Drew. You could... You could be like good old Brianna Wu, who decided that make the bold statement that this country is in shambles because it doesn't know how to deal with consequences because it never punished the Nazis. I don't really argue with people who make outlandish claims that they. I know it's fucking hilarious, but at the same time, oh my god! If you don't even know. If you don't even know history, then maybe you should shut up. Or maybe she's only doing it because she's a – I heard that she's infamous for that sort of thing to build controversy, but eh, I'll just leave it alone. There are people who literally will say anything. It's basically the throw anything at the wall and see what sticks kind of kind of uh, verbalization and, and rhetoric. So is that something – okay, there, there we go, going back to free speech – is that something that we feel is okay to have for the idea of free speech? Or is that something that we – because there, there are aspects that we do censor because of mutual agreement amongst all of us that we just don't talk about, at least in the public square. What? Okay, so that goes back to the social contract when it comes to stuff that's mutually agreed upon. I want to say that overall that kind of stuff is pretty uh, is pretty ironclad because they it's one because again how difficult it is to come up with a basically a consensus when you have such dissident opinions across the board is something that is again it's a rare gem in a, in a in a sea of opinions so as regarded with that kind of stuff it really just depends on 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 the scope of that kind of thing but even those things aren't still sacred in that regard. There's still people who talk about it to one extent or another. They may not use the exact wording, but they definitely still speak of it because if it has, especially if it has historical significance, again, those who don't learn from the, from their past are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. We're apparently repeating a lot of it at the moment. You ain't lying. But, it, but, it, but also on the other hand, I would not stop Brianna Roof from saying those things. Because, because within the con with, within the paradigm of free speech, she should be allowed to say those things. But the problem is, is that the expectation is reciprocation. She should be allowing people yes. to counter her state. You aren't. If she wanted to make a statement in a bubble, she can just write that down in a journal. She doesn't have to put it into the pu into the public eye. Because even if you don't want to consider social media a public square. It is still a public forum. The public square has the has the provisions of the Constitution protecting it. Because a private company owns these platforms, 
has ad support for them, is making money from them, it falls into the aegis of a private company's forum. So when you say stuff on it, they are not obligated to give you the same political freedoms that it would be if you were talking to somebody in the in, in, in a public square situation. You were in the middle of town talking to a group. Those things are generally covered by the Constitution. If you were talking to people online and you don't own the place with which you were actually talking, you're kind of fucked, at least in that regard. And is it bad? Absolutely. Section 230 should have been altered a long time ago, especially with the emergence of social media. It never was because back then people, there weren't enough users on there to be able to make a, a concerted decision that that kind of thing needed to happen. We're a reactionary, we're a reactionary society. Agreed. We only do things when, th when the situation arises. Otherwise, we're not doing things preemptively. And in regards to that, it does need to be altered. But as the rules stand and as everything occurs... I can't say that I have any like I don't have a leg to stand on with regards to free speech and these platforms. You're using them. You are technically the product to one point or another because in a lot of cases your your data and your information is being harvested. You don't have any precedence to be able to strike back against these these groups for good or ill. I obviously assume for ill. How about you? What do you think? For most, for much of it, I agree. The only thing is the the only thing that I would say that I would add to is just that I agree that Section Two Thirty needs to change, and that if these companies want to play out and play dicta dictatorial on who's ideologies or whose speech can be censored for whatever BS uh, reasons that if they if they're large enough to monitor the a set, a set what's basically the whole world then they're liable they should be liable enough to be to um, to pay for the for whatever damages that they've caused that could cause with their censorship. If they're that private, if they're, if they're private enough that they can have their own terms of service, they're private enough to be retaliated. Agreed. Against. But there needs to be a metric. And I don't think that every whack job on, on the, on the digital street corner talking about the world is the world is ending. The end is nigh needs to be something that needs to be addressed by a corporation. I think that it needs to be based on the level of impact that those things had. And I think that, that any, any litigation towards them should be reactionary based on those things. A person spouting off about, you know, states' rights, you know, personal freedoms, whatever, is completely different than a large group who is a formed group within, within that social media structure. Who has multiple, who has multiple uh, followers attached to it, making making uh, rhetoric that could potentially lead to some kind of violence against society as a whole. That's when I think that those things need to happen. At the very least, the company should be uh, should be uh, made to address them directly, not with. Only with only with fines if there's right. some sort of I'll agree with some you sort on. of impact. But can you say without a can you say without a doubt that no wait hold on the reason that I want to bring this up is because we've have instances of like Twitch where they ban people's accounts entirely just for using specific words. They banned they banned people for using the word pog champ. And they you and they and they, they they made that an illegal word to use over the end. Also, uh, they banned the emote as well. It's just like you guys have very very strange ways of. They might censoring. have already started getting some sort of responses about that, and they merely waited until it became a uh, until something popped up. The reason that they, the reason that they, the reason that they now, banned they those things is because the person who was attached to them had come out 
talking about Donald Trump in some specific aspect. And they believe that that was a type of incitement, and that's why they did the banning. It's not like they banned him specifically. They just banned the emotes and anything associated with them in that in that idiom. I don't think he's ever had any kind of retribution against them, so I can't say for sure that that would be a free speech thing. At least not now. I'm sure that can change over time. Yeah, it's like my question, my question keeps coming up. When Where is the line? Well... You'll find out where the line is once you've crossed it. Once we say you've crossed it. Oh, fucking joy. But that could be said for, for society as a whole, right? Yes, but the difference between a society as a whole dictating it and a company or a government or a single government saying it, it, it it's a whole that's entire those are yes, entirely no. different. It, especially if the companies themselves reside in the areas with which that that's actually occurring, especially because you have to take into account, especially with citizens United as a thing that now looms over us and consider and now considers businesses to be people. They're still, they are now considered us citizens by that, by that metric. Is it good? Oh God, no, it's fucking stupid. It's probably one of the dumbest fucking things that we've ever done with, with regards to our, with with regards to our society, but it is what it is. So now you have people who can and amalgamous nebulous groups who can now make those decisions because they are considered people within the context of the Constitution. Sure. It's like I said, everything that we're talking about here is all stuff that exists. It's stuff that is absolutely what we're dealing with right now. But within the concept of legality is it, it it's exactly what it is you you can't say anything to, you can't say anything to the contrary in that regard does it need to change it needed to change before it needed to change back when it happened but it happened so we just got to adapt to it and work around it but as far as going forward i think there needs to if, if, i think what needs to end up happening is if there if there are people who are particularly concerned with the way those situations are playing out and they want to still have a, a place to have free speech. I think that there would need to be a, a, a separation of sorts from social media proper, not saying that you couldn't use the internet and such like that as a way to do things. But I think that the traditional uh, uh, platforms for those things are are no longer realistic. I think that there needs to be a shift back to the traditional public square as a whole. And that's for how, how much ever value that holds. I honestly think it needs to be completely divorced from radio and um, uh, TV as well. I think you just need to be more public about everything. That's what needs to happen. Just stop. Just, if you're that worried about it, if you think social media is that invasive, then walk away from it wholesale. There's no, there, there's nothing stopping you. And as far as dealing with the other aspects of, of the internet, which are required for daily life, like other, like using it for ordering food or using it to do business or, or banking transactions, you can still have those completely separate from how you interact with the world that you live in. That would be my guess. It seems very rustic and very off the grid when you look at it from that perspective. But I genuinely, at least in my you know cursory thoughts about it, that seems to be the best way in way for, in my opinion. Short of wholesale creating your own platform, which is nearly impossible to do. Yep, I'll agree with you on that. We have all these monopoly laws, and none of them are really being exercised anymore because the moment some the moment somebody tries to exercise them, they suddenly have a large sum of money dropped into their account, and they're no longer doing it anymore. So. I have no expectations that that will ever be dealt with in any meaningful capacity. If it ever is, I'll be pleasantly surprised if it does. But as far as I'm concerned, these these companies have too big of a market chunk and they refuse to give it up in any meaningful metric. So it is what it is. But as a whole, and kind of bringing it back around, digital free speech is something that needs to be championed. Do I think it's feasible in our lifetime? Yes. But at current, with everything that has played out and the, and the pieces falling as they may, 
I, I don't have any faith that it will be something that is going to be an easy win or something that will be championed by many people because, and a lot of the free speech advocates within, within the governments have either been cut away from things or are busy dealing with other problems. So it's, it, it doesn't seem like a huge thing for a lot of people, mainly because a lot of them genuinely don't use social media like the regular everyday people do. It's, it's not something that they go out of their way to use. They use it as a tool to further, to further their careers, but that's as far as it goes for them. So for them, they don't have the empathy necessary to be able to say, you, you need to do this to these companies. True. I you agree. seem exasperated. My apologies. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's not your fault. Shit happens. Really? How you got to look at it? I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm no more happy about the, the the set of events as they're playing out than anybody else is. And honestly, I, I think going forward, I think there's going to be a a pullback from free speech as as it stands especially because of, with the COVID lockdowns being what they are, I don't see anybody bringing this up to task anytime soon. If it, like I said, if it does color me surprised, but being a real, being, being realistic at it, it, it's not, it's not a, it's not a priority anymore, especially with especially with the wholesale attack of an entire political party and a, and subgroup. There's really nothing to say for it other than you just got to let the let the let the, the the game play out as it will, and just deal with the ramifications of what happens afterwards. And for already a reactionary co- country, we're just going to have to deal with the we're just going to have to deal with things as they come. But moving forward to that kind of thing, what would you classify yourself as with regards to free speech? I am someone who is. Oh who is openly for free speech. I am not someone who believes that speech should be restricted. That is the most basic, uh, that's the most basic point of it. I do my, I try my best not to, um, not to restrict everyone's um, speech. I believe that if I, if I should say something, so should you, even if I don't agree with it. Pretty much on the same, we're pretty much in the same boat then. That's good. Now, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have. I, I, I've had. I've read with uh, my own personal circumstances where uh, the people I've discussed with don't quite share that same sentiment, but it happens. It's not. It's not something that I that I would have. I would have expected, but that's. What it is what it is, people. dude. And and you you're you'd be better you'd be you'd be better served trying to wrangle cats than trying to convince a lot of people. Confirmation bias is something that has has pervaded public discourse for a while. People think the way they think, and they do not want their their worldview challenged in a lot of cases. And it's just built into the way that we function as humans. But the but the flexibility that the, the the inflexibility that that comes with tends to create situations where you have groups of people who really only collaborate with each other because they actively do not choose to go outside of their thought process. They believe what they're doing is the right thing that they're doing and damn the consequences. And it creates situations where without the, uh, without outside interactions or outside thought processes, mistakes get made in a lot of situations. Do you believe that virtue can be, can corrupt? Absolutely. As much as logic can 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 corrupt, anything, fair enough. Anything that has a anything that can, that... Um, anything that can be used as rationale for actions, can be corrupted. No, I agree. And I think in a lot of cases, you do have people who 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 will use their virtue as a cudgel to bludgeon other people with. It's one of the reasons why me, why as a person, I you know I don't Absolutely. really think religion is a effective metric for how to live your life as a as a whole scale thing. But what I do value is that the blueprints for uh, being a good person are interspersed within the within the uh, ridiculousness and uh, and unrealistic interpretations of reality that are in. There. 
It's just that I wish they weren't strapped onto a rider of stupidity. That's that's my problem. Do do you think that religion no. is the corrupting factor? I think faith overall is the corrupted factor. I think a person who does not, the person who invests heavily in an abstract concept, be it science or a specific political ideology or a a fundamental religious belief, and they make it something that permeates what who they are, it that's where the corruption starts to happen. You can value science for what it contributes to society. You don't have to turn it into a form of pseudo-worship because it, 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 it effectively propels your society forward. I have no more faith in science than I do in, in, in Buddha. The, the, I, don't, I see no reason to invest in that. You'd be better served investing your faith and your virtue in yourself. The problem with a lot of people is, is they've spent so little time in introspection. They don't think about, they don't think about what the, think within themselves. They think for, they think about themselves. They're very much about, you know, you know, fulfilling carnal pleasures and, you know, dealing and doing what they want to do in a lot of cases, but very few people, people feel compelled anymore to do what they need to do. Because there's no real reason to. We have enough people on this earth where, like, you can have a dissident group of people who are absolutely uninterested in working, and the whole thing still functions. The society as a whole still functions. That's fucking insane. That's that's a lot of people if you look at it from that from that perspective. I 100% agree. That's why I usually come with the statement of there's a difference between justifying your actions with your morals and justifying your morals oh, with yeah, your actions. Absolutely. You, you will not hear an argument from me on that. I think that's one of the biggest problems that people have, regardless of, regardless of which part of the spectrum you are. I believe that the obsession over your ideology, whatever that may be, can lead can lead someone to become corrupt it's the obsession of the ideology that ends up crippling you and i don't i think your explanation makes the best and most concise sense so i i will have i agree with you appreciate 100%. It. <laughs> it, it, it i think and especially when in 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 uh when you connect it to the concept of free speech too there, there's this fine line that needs to be fo- that needs to be followed, because in in exercising free speech, you can all you also can attach attach that to religion, you can attach that to all, a political ideology. So there needs to be a, a balance in that regard. I think at the end of the day, summarizing everything that we've been talking about, we we need the the the, the free speech that we have needs to evolve. The companies that need the, the companies that have these platforms either need to be call, need to be called called into responsibility for what they do, or, and this is the lesser of the two ideas because I don't a hundred percent agree with doing this. But again, when you have when you're looking for alternatives, there's nothing else you can do. There needs to be a government-backed free speech platform. If, if if private industry is not going to do what it needs to do to ensure its customers have what they want, the government should re, should come in and provide a a, a battle royale scenario uh, free speech platform. It's built it. It's baked into the constitution. If the government, if if you if private industry isn't doing it via capitalism, the government has to provide. Does it not? At least to an extent. That's assuming if the social media aspect is a necessity, that is something that a com- that private in- that private enterprise can't uh, can't provide, and that it would be more efficient if the government does it. Now, I don't trust them with the DMV, let alone with the uh, government-funded social media. And we are currently at the moment where our current government is trying to suppress their political opponents so uh, 
if this was going to be a thing, we might have to wait a couple years when everything dies down and we can hope to even attempt well, you're assuming that it'll like die that. down and that's really where we at where you have to be you have to be in a wait and see mode right now because again between waiting for the vaccine and waiting for the waiting for the new administration to start you know the wheels to start turning on it you need to see what's left after everything's done so i absolutely agree with you on the wait and see mentality but i just don't <clears throat> Every time, every time, every time a private organization tries to go and create a new social platform with the with the pur- with the purview of free speech, they're summarily crushed by service providers, their opponents, so that nothing ever can take root. It's literally nerf or nothing in a lot of cases for people. So having ha- so divorcing yourself from social media is much more of a, yeah. an appealing thing to do for a lot of people because yeah. if you weren't using it that much to begin with. It's not really a huge headache for you, and it's easier to get. And, and, and as long as you have a, another medium with which to re- reach out to people, or you have people within your group who have access to social media in other capacities, you can still get your word out. It just depends. It, it re- solely depends on how much work you're willing to put in. The problem with that aspect is that we have too many. Okay, the serp, the PayPal, supply, the the. What are they called? The the uh, service providers, they they are influenced by, I don't really want to call them that, but I should say by radical thought or at least radical fear because we're people are equating the idea of free speech more and more towards radical thought. And because of it, it is believed that it needs to be shut down with force. This is how, this is how we get... Um, places like Parler, where people think that it is the hub for right-wing extremists, because when you have people who just go on there for the uh, the ability to say whatever they like, without the fear of being censored, and then you have actual right-wing extremists pop up in there, then it becomes a huge problem, and then it gets shut down. Essentially, it's radicalism being shut down by radicalism. But one form of radicalism still remains, and it's the mainstream uh, social media sites. And by that, by that perspective, I can agree with you. Hey, give me a second. I'm going to go use the restroom, all right? Why, hello. I hope that you're enjoying the service that we have at the moment. Just understand that if you're listening in, I thank you on behalf of the entire Tiki Bar that you are listening. And we hope that we have, at the very least, interested you enough to listen, want to keep listening to our podcasts for many more to come. I wish you a wonderful 2020 remastered. Because let's get the point straight. It is 2020 remastered. Every, I mean, for Christ's sake. We went starting from a civil war last, a world war last year, actually, to a civil war. Everything, it's always go big or go home. I hope you're enjoying this insanity. I hope you have a grab a, a bag of popcorn to feast along with this intellectually stimulating idiocy. I know that's redundant and I know that is crazy, but, uh, well, it's not like I don't think that we're idiots. At least I think I'm the idiot here. But you know, now you know every single time you pick up these podcasts, every episode, please leave your sanity at the door. Or maybe keep it a log so that you can uh, learn to be more rational along with us. But yeah, what do you all think? Do you think that we have some sort of reason that perhaps our arguments aren't necessarily entirely without merit? I don't know where this will be. Probably it'll remain on anchor, but uh, in case if it has a comment session, you know, let us hear your thoughts. Let us know anywhere on the internet. All right, I'm back. So yeah, all right. I think we've kind of rounded out everything nicely. We've summarized what needs to happen going forward. I'm 
I, I, like I said, we're, it's a wait and see situation. I don't think any of us really know what's going to happen for the next two years, let alone the next year. I'm still on. I'm still on my battle plan of we're not getting out of any of this until 2024, and that's nobody can prove me wrong at this point. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lead with that. Well, considering how they're talking about a mutant strain and how the president-elect wants to widespread release every single vaccine we've got, which sounds like a fucking nightmare, you might not be entirely Is what it is, friend. I got nothing otherwise. I think we'll just call it there. Well, then, if that's the case, thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We will be recording every Sunday. All right. So you can find our podcast on the Anchor app itself if you have it. Um, The Anchor app also publishes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, CastBox, and a few choice others. Um, If any of those platforms are defunct, obviously ignore them. But the major ones are Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. You can contact us individually if you wish. Um, I am at Punk Toast. I'm sorry. I am Punk Toast on Twitter. There's no at there. Um, You can also contact me via Instagram, also at Punk Toast. Go ahead, uh, Harma. What's your what's your shtick? You can find me as the Ragnarok Knight on Twitter as well. It has been a pleasure discussing with you tonight. Thank you for joining us. Thank you all. And uh, this has been Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. Please join us next time at the bar where we will serenade you with more rants and insanity as we often do. Keep your wits about you and have your booze ready. Cast off, friends.